the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Jesus tells his parable today at a very specific time in history, and it had a very specific application to that moment in history, but it also applies to us. It applies to us in ways that we should pay close attention to. But first, that specific moment, which is kind of relevant for today, with all that is going on in the Middle East, it's helpful to know the specific moment into which Jesus was speaking. It was a moment at the culmination of God's work among his people, Israel. He had called them to be his own. He had led them out of Egypt on dry land. He'd given them the promises and the covenant and taken them into the land flowing with milk and honey. And he pleaded with them all along the way that they would have him as their God, that they would trust him and receive from his hand every good thing. But if you know the story of the Old Testament, the time leading up to the time of Jesus, you know that that's a story of the people of Israel constantly rejecting God, which is why we get this beautiful petition, this beautiful plea in Isaiah chapter 55, where Jesus once again says to his people, Come to me, and I will feed you richly. Come and buy without money. It's a feast that I have prepared for you. And yet, tragically, the people of Israel rejected God. Specifically, they rejected Jesus. And that is why so long as the people of Israel, so long as the Jews reject Jesus today, they are outside of God's kingdom. There is no holy land, there is not a holy people apart from trusting in God and receiving him by faith. That matters tremendously for you and for me. Because it means that to come into God's kingdom, we don't have to be a part of a certain ethnic group, a certain group of people in a certain place. Instead, simply, we must hear and receive God's invitation. That's the lesson for us today. Hear and receive God's invitation. And notice what kind of an invitation it is. Too often, 
The call to hear and believe in the church is taken to be a warning, simply a warning against sin, a warning against danger. Watch out or you'll come into judgment. And that's true. We see that throughout the Old Testament. Remember the story of Lot in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? And the angels came to him and said, flee now, this city of destruction. And they even had to drag Lot out by the arm because he was hesitant to leave. That's often the story. Flee sin. Avoid evil. Because judgment is coming. But notice today how the alternative is pictured. It's not just avoiding judgment, but it's entering into a feast. A feast that has been magnificently, marvelously prepared. A wedding feast for the king's son. What matters at the end of the day, this is crucial. What matters at the end of the day, for whether or not you enjoy that feast, is simply this. Have you heard and received the invitation. That's important because so often, so often, it is thought that this is a question about good and bad, sin and evil. At the end of the day, coming into the feast is not basically a question about what sins you may or may not have committed. Did you notice that after the first invitees reject the promise, reject the invitation, those servants go out and they bring in everyone, good and bad. The only qualifications for entering into this feast are whether or not you hear and receive it, whether or not you are willing to go. Jesus himself says, listen to what he says in Mark chapter 3, truly, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter, all sins, every last one of them, the great and the small the ones that cause all kinds of damage and the ones that never get noticed, all sins from beginning to end have been covered by the blood of Christ. All sins will be forgiven, but this one won't. Whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. That is the one who hears the invitation to have your sins forgiven and says, no, thank you. I'd rather keep my sins. That person has committed a sin that is unforgivable. You cannot enter into the feast if you reject the invitation. This is the one thing that matters. And that is also how we think about sin here in the church. The question as we look at one another is not what kind of a sinner are you? What sins have you committed? Like that Pharisee standing in the temple looking at that tax collector thinking, at least I haven't committed those kinds of sins. The question of what kinds of sins you've committed is off the table. All sins will be forgiven. The question is this, when God speaks to your sin, when he condemns your sin, when he says, leave that sin behind and come into righteousness, do you hear him and believe him, or do you reject him? When he says, I would like to take that sin from you and have it nailed to the cross, I'd like to forgive it forever, do you say, no, but rather I'd like to keep this sin. It's kind of cozy, it feels good to me, Surely it's not so bad. If that's your attitude towards sin, then even if it's the tiniest of sins, it damns you to hell because it is rejecting the gift of forgiveness. When Christians are caught in sin, we don't make judgments about whether the sin is great or small. Instead, the only judgment is, do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to leave that sin behind and enter into the feast? This is incredibly important to us because we tend to make judgments 
about sins, what we think are great and small. So here, to put this into focus, notice, notice how Jesus invites into the kingdom of God, before all of the religious people of his age, he invites the Pharisees, he invites the prostitutes and the tax collectors into his kingdom. The man who is a serial adulterer, who cheats on his wife time and again and again and again, that person who repents will enter into the kingdom of God before the man who just occasionally lets his eye linger and thinks it's not a big deal. Everyone looks from time to time. The man who is rebellious, who has overthrown a government, who's committed treason and repents, that man will enter into the kingdom of heaven before the child who thinks that it's no big deal to disobey his parents and to treat them with contempt. The worst sinner you can imagine, the absolute worst sinner you can imagine will enter into the kingdom of heaven before you if you think, at least I'm not as bad as him. What matters is not the sins that you have committed. What matters is that when Jesus comes to you and says, I would like to take them away, please let me forgive them, do you say, no thank you? Do you say, no thank you, I'd like to keep them, or do you fall on your knees and express your gratitude? Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. The parable that Jesus tells today puts this all into focus for us. Let's pay attention to the details of this story. Notice how the messengers go out, the servants go out, inviting those who have been called to the feast. And at first, they just ignore the invitation. We can see that all too commonly in our day. Yes, I'll think about that another time. The gospel, I've heard that before. I don't need to hear that again. The good news, I've got some good news. I've got things going for me in my life. My life is just fine. I don't need Jesus. And upon the second invitation, some go back to their farms, some go to their businesses. But then did you notice there's a third category? It's shocking when this happens in the story. They take the messenger and they kill him. Why would they do that? It's because they can't bear to be seen as rejecting this gracious offer. Would you leave me alone already? I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm content with things the way they are. I don't want that crummy feast. That kind of violence is shocking. And yet there it is. They killed the messenger. They can't bear the words. And what words were they? Come, for the feast has been prepared. What a tragedy that any would reject it in that way. And a tragedy even further because judgment is coming for them. The king doesn't hold anything back. They've killed his messengers. And so he sends his armor and he destroys those people because they have rejected his invitation. And they are not worthy, not only of coming into his feast, but of life itself. Let that never be us. Let it never be that when we hear God's word, when we hear Jesus' gracious invitation, we say to ourselves, later, not now. Or I don't want to hear that. I don't like that. I'm not interested in that. Let that never be us. You see what is coming for such as those. But here you are all today, and so I think this puts all of us into a different category. We are those who, good and bad, have been called later. Those who came late to the feast because the king wanted to make sure that it was full. Don't ever presume on your right to be here. Your right to be in God's kingdom. You are here because he graciously invited you. Good and bad. But notice that the story is not over. The king comes into the feast and he looks around to see who was gathered there. And he sees a man not wearing the wedding garment. 
Now, it would have been traditional that when you come to the feast, come to a wedding feast, the host would give to those invited wedding garments. You don't have to supply your own garment. You're giving, given a garment to enter into the feast. And so what does it mean if a man is there not wearing the wedding garment that has been given to him? It means that he said, I would love to come to this feast, but on my own terms. I would love to come to this feast, but in my own clothes. I don't like your clothes. This feast is only good to me if I get to dress the way that I want. This is a grave danger. For all of those who are at the feast, for all of us here, it's a grave danger that we would be found merely pretending to love the feast, but unwilling to put on the wedding garment. This is those people who might say to themselves, I don't really need to know what the Bible says. I don't need to know what's in it. I don't need to go to church that often. Those are the wedding clothes. Hearing God's word, the righteousness that comes from listening to God's promises, that is the garment that covers all of your sin. And so if you say to yourself, this is fine occasionally, this is fine every once in a while, this is good, so long as I don't have to change my life, so long as it's not with those people over there, or so long as I don't have to give up my sins, the ones that are lurking in my heart's If that's your attitude towards being in the feast, unwilling to come in on the Lord's terms, coming in only on your own terms, what happens to that man? He is found out, and he is bound hand and foot and cast into the outer darkness. Let that never be us. We are not very good at asking questions. We tend to give answers. We're not very good at asking questions, but here's the question that should be asked when you enter into the feast. Here's the question this man should have asked when he entered into the feast. What would you like me to do, Lord? Now that I'm here, how should I be dressed? Now that I'm here, how should I behave? It's like those tax collectors and soldiers who came to the baptism of John, who was preaching repentance. Repent. The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. Repent, turn from your sins, and live. And they came to John, and they said, what should we do now? How should we live now? You're giving us something completely different. We're in your house now, Lord God. We're in your home. How do we live here? That's the question we should always be asking. Not how do I want to live, or what of my former way of life would I like to bring along, but instead this, Lord, how should I dress myself? What does your righteousness look like? What does it mean to leave behind sin? What does it mean to live in love. You teach me because I don't know. You clothe me because my own garments are rags. That's how you enter into this feast. That's an attitude of humility that hears the invitation and recognizes that unless the one who is inviting you gives you everything, you will have nothing. Unless the one who is inviting you has prepared the feast, And given you the garments, you will find yourself in the outer darkness. Praise be to God that he wants to do all of that for you. He has prepared this feast from before the foundation of the world. From the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin, he was making promises. Promises to redeem and save his people so that they would not die but live. From the moment they broke his trust, he set about to restore that trust, to heal that wound. He set aside his broken heart and instead gave his heart to his people. He laid aside his own life and gave his life to you. What a gracious invitation. All has been prepared. 
And not only that, but your worthiness does not depend on what you do or not do not do. It does not depend on whether your sins are great or small. It simply depends on this, whether Christ's righteousness covers all of your sins. Believers, it does. Every last one of them. Never forget. Never leave it behind. Wear that robe always. Let every moment of every day be as though you are living in this feast. Clothed by the Master, rejoicing at his gifts, longing to live there eternally. He wants to invite you, he wants to clothe you, not just barely, not just kind of, but fully, altogether. You are his beloved children. He has spared no expense to have you with him forever. Rejoice and receive gladly this gracious invitation. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.